Welcome. You are now listening to another powerful message brought to you by Joel Phillips, Senior Pastor at Escondido Christian Center. For more teachings, subscribe to our podcast or find us online at thecenter.co. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see all of you here this morning. Um, We're going to do a couple of special things in a minute. Uh, We're going to get ready to take a love offering. I'll tell you more about that in a minute for for a a very special family in our church. And also, I want to pray for your family. We're going to have a time of prayer. Uh, I just feel this morning has been constructed by the Holy Spirit. There's already been things said um, that are specifically designed for everyone that's here, but... uh, when you hear statements like that, specifically designed for everyone here, you exclude yourself. Don't do that. Yeah. God wants to do something to you. Point at yourself and say, me. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it funny when you hear stuff, you're, you're going, man, I sure wish my brother-in-law was hearing this right now. You know, you're th- and he's over at another church going, man, I sure wish my brother-in-law was hearing this. I uh, hope you had a great Thanksgiving and uh, gathering together. Uh, Families are, they can be really tricky. They can be the greatest source of joy, or they can be some of the greatest source of heartache. It's just, uh, it's amazing. And it's because we make ourselves most vulnerable to our our families. And when we get hurt by those those that are closest to us, when we've been the most vulnerable, we build walls because we say, I'm never going to let that happen again. And unfortunately, when walls are built, uh, relationships suffer. The fact is, family is the illustration. It's the thing that God uses as the, the vehicle for you and I to be a part of what He's doing. It's called the family of God. We used to sing a song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And man, I couldn't stand that song. But I'm going to just tell you, I still don't like the song, but I love what the song says. And uh, nudge somebody next to you and just say, I'm glad, you're, I'm glad you're part of my family. Just tell them that. I'm glad you're part of my family. Amen. <clears throat> Listen to this text. This is Acts chapter 2. We've been looking at this pretty much every Sunday. Specifically this month, we've been talking about prophecy. We've been t- talking about the release of the prophetic and uh, Peter gets up and preaches, and he quotes from the prophet Joel, and, he, and it's, it's God speaking. God says, I will pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and your daughters to prophesy. That's, that's a powerful promise. It's a powerful statement that was made 2,000 years ago that's just as relevant today, and I believe that if they were in the last days and Peter was able to get up and say that with great boldness as long ago as he said that, how many know we've got boldness to know we're in the last days? And what I have found is that the last days can often be attributed to, you know, governments and geopolitical things going on and wars and rumors of war, and it includes that, but what I want you to know uh, having lived a little bit of life, I'm, I'm rapidly approaching 37, and I'm, I'm just kidding. I <clears throat> you get a few years under your belt, and you realize, man, this goes by pretty quick. You know, uh, so whether you want to face the last cataclysmic days of, of end-time prophecy on a geopolitical uh, kind of scale, that's one thing. But it's another thing to face your own quickness. Life 
is going quick. And um, I was thinking about this because the Old Testament ended with these words. 400 years between these words that are spoken by Peter quoting the Old Testament, Malachi says this in chapter 4. So it finishes the Old Testament. God's, we're, we're being told that God will turn the hearts of the fathers towards the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. In other words, one of God's desires for you and I is to be turned towards our families. Not, not just our fathers, but our mothers, our brothers, our sisters, our in-laws. And I know that's going to probably not get an amen, but God wants to work in our families. And I firmly believe that. And I know the enemy knows that as well. The enemy knows that if a family can get together and be unified, there's great strength, there's great power, there's great healing, there's great potential in that. Uh, I was sitting at our dinner table on Thursday, on uh, like a lot of you, um, and I'm just looking at my family sitting around that table, and now we've got a bunch of little dudes around that table, and man, I'm just thinking how blessed I am. But <clears throat> I want you to know that my blessing is not just a natural blessing. My blessing is something that is of a spiritual sort. The blessing of God upon families is not select for a few. It's what he wants for all of us. And there's great joy in it. I said earlier, there's great heartache in it also. And we know that that source of heartache is from the enemy's attack on our families. A great amount of that attack is focused right on the families. And right now at this time of the year, holidays... Going now into Christmas, man, the attack gets hot and heavy. Uh, I heard George Burns say this one time. He says, happiness is having a large family, a loving family, a caring family, a close-knit family in another city. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's nice to have them come, but it's also nice to have them go. And uh, yet, I want you to know that families don't have to be enjoyed from a distance, God can heal even those wounds in families that have been going on for many years. Wounds that seem impossible to heal, God can heal because nothing is impossible for the God we serve. Now, I don't know if you know the story of, of one of the great billionaires of all time, Howard Hughes, when he was worth approximately $4 billion. I saw a quote of his that stood out in my mind. He said this, I'd give it all away for one good friend. I'd give it all away for somebody I could trust. Let me just share, there's a longing in every heart here for not just friendships, for people you can trust, but for people you could call, even if they're not blood, your family. That's God's desire for you. That dream, that desire you have has been given to you by God, and he wants to fulfill it. We serve a God who doesn't make promises and then says, well, I'm not too sure if I'm going to give that promise fulfilled in their life because I don't know if I can trust them. God doesn't base his promises on you and I. He bases his promises on his word. And how many know his word is trustworthy? Can I get an amen? 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15, I want to kind of spring off of this because it says, although you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you don't have many fathers. You got a lot of people who will tell you what to do, but not a lot of people that will help you do it. You got a lot of people who will get you from one point to another, but very few who will take the journey with you. I want you to know that God has a father for you. 
there's somebody who will rise up in your life. And it's not just an age issue of someone being older, although it helps to have somebody who's got some experience, but God wants to raise somebody up in your life that'll be an influence of encouragement, an influence of love, an influence of prophetic voice in your life. But I'm going to tell you also, God wants to raise you up to be that person. God's looking for a select few. I'm willing to get into that. I'm willing, I'm willing to be used by God. How many are with me today? You're willing to be used by God. Let's talk about family breakthroughs for a few moments because I want to pray for you for this area. I really believe God wants to do something special in everyone who's willing to seek Him today. Uh, you have to press in. The, these promises that I'm going to share with you, we just sang a song that says, <clears throat> all the promises are yes and amen. Well, they are, but which one are you claiming? Which one are you standing on? Which one are you holding on to? Well, I'm just holding on to all of them. Well, surely you could tell me one then. You see, here's what I want to share with you. Listen to this. Spiritual inheritance that you receive costs you nothing. In other words, you're blessed because others have paid a price. But the inheritance that you leave is something you'll have to pay. I won't go on, but I sure could. I could tell you about people who paid the price for you to be able to sit in this room. I could tell you about people who not only paid the price financially, but also paid the price spiritually for us to enjoy what we enjoy today in 2018. They were faithful. It didn't cost you anything. You're enjoying it. And how many say praise God for those faithful people, man, that persevered. Maybe you don't even know the story, but I'm going to tell you, you're sitting on a piece of property, 18 acres, 68,000 square feet of facility that is free and clear. And I give God the glory, but a lot of people that paid the price. Let me show you how to do this because you're thinking inheritance, you immediately think money. Let me have you think about a spiritual inheritance. And let me show you how to do it. I want to just share a couple of things about this with you. First of all, Number one, if you're going to leave an inheritance of a spiritual value to your family, to the people who are around you, the people who are coming up after you, you got to keep short accounts. You got to let go of bitterness. You can't tell the story of how you got hurt and leave it there. Tell the story, maybe make it short of how you got hurt, but make the longer part of the story how God healed you and brought you out of that. And how you even are praying for the people who hurt you. And maybe you could even give God glory like this and say, you know, I'm going to the lunch with the people that hurt me because God restored the relationship. That's the kind of spiritual inheritance God wants you to leave to those who come after you. Philippians 3.13 says this, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all. Everyone say all. <laughs> I forget all the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. Here's what he's saying. There's a choice you got to make. You could focus on all the things that have happened in the past that are wrong, all the things that have hurt, all the things that don't make sense. Or you could say, Lord, I'm just putting all of that in your hands. And I'm focusing on what you have ahead. Listen to this. This is Ephesians 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness. Notice it doesn't say some. Get rid of all of it. All rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior, instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, 
just as God through Christ has forgiven you. What a great inheritance you could leave if you could show those who are coming up around you how you were maybe hurt, maybe there's people that didn't do something right, but you're walking in forgiveness because after all, God's forgiven you of so much. Man, I think of the inheritance I have through my parents who I watch go through some deep waters of people betraying them, hurting them, gossiping about them. I never heard them ever speak an evil word about those people. In fact, I remember mom saying, hey, listen, they're just being influenced by the enemy. They don't even know what they're saying. God have mercy on them. And they were so genuine. And I learned to keep short accounts from watching my parents keep short accounts. But here's another thing I want you to get a hold of. You've got to establish a prophetic identity for your family. See, it's not just walking in forgiveness. It's also realizing you forgive because God's got so much he wants to do with you. Don't let anything get in the way. That's what prophecy will tell you. God's got something better and great that he wants to do. Listen to Deuteronomy verse 19 of chapter 30. He says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Listen to the language there. You have a choice to make. It's a choice between blessing and cursing. I don't think anyone here would choose cursing. But the moment you choose to not accept what God has spoken over you, the moment you start to doubt that, you've chosen death. You've chosen the curse. And it doesn't just affect you, it affects your family. You see, here's what's hard about this is that you can't be private about your decisions. Your decisions you may think are made in private, but they affect everyone around you. You end up affecting the very people you love the most with the decisions you make. So the word of the Lord is, choose life. How many would say, I do that right now? I choose life. Lord, I choose your blessing. Man, I just feel the presence of the Lord right now. Lift your hands. Would you just enjoy this for a moment? Oh, we rejoice, Lord refreshing right now. Hallelujah. Just touching everyone here, Lord. We bless you. We lift our hands to the Most High God. Bless you, Jesus. Listen to Ephesians 3, or actually Ephesians 4. Uh, Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm I'm off on the wrong verse. I'm so, uh, I'm almost drunk in the spirit up here. That was uh, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy says this, verse 18, so Timothy, my son, I'm entrusting you with this responsibility. I got to pause there because who are you entrusting? I ride bikes with some guys and, you know, it's just fascinating to get to know these guys because a lot of them are super successful. One of them is one of the most successful builders in North County. And we were riding with him and somebody goes, hey, Jim, so who's your prodigy? I mean, who's following you? And he, he, he spilled out yesterday that he's 67 years old, super strong writer. And he goes, ah, I got nobody. It's going to end with me. And I wish it would have ended a long time ago, but I got to keep building houses because everyone keeps coming after me. He's got nobody that's going to take on where he left off. Hey, listen, that's sad for home building. But what I want you to know is that there's things that God's shown you that he's put you on this planet for that aren't just for you. 
Enjoy them. Enjoy the gifts God's given you, the, the blessings of his spiritual gifting on your life, the talents you have. But who are you passing those on to? Paul says this, I'm entrusting you with this responsibility in keeping with the first prophecies that were spoken over your life and are now in the process. Hey, hey, turn to somebody and say, I'm in a process. Just tell them that. That's a good word. Isn't that a good word? I'm in a process. I, I haven't made it yet, but I'm getting there. The process of fulfillment, that's even better. Not the process of getting there, the process of fulfillment. In this great work of ministry, in keeping with the prophecies spoken over you, with this encouragement, use your prophecies as weapons as you wage spiritual warfare by faith and with a clean conscience. My dad and mom spoke things over me. Man, I hold on to those. Others who are with the Lord now, and some of them are still around, have spoken things over my life, have spoken things over my ministry. I hang on to those, but I got to do it with a clear conscience. See, he'll fulfill promises to people who are fulfillable. He'll bless people who are blessable. You say, that sounds a little bit uh, iffy. It is a little iffy. The price has been paid by Jesus. The debt you had against you has been paid in full. It costs you nothing to get to heaven. The price has been paid. But if you want to be used by heaven, if you want to hear from heaven, if you want to leave an inheritance of a spiritual nature, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you time of saying no to that and yes to this. It's going to cost you a little bit of getting up early and maybe saying, Lord, here I am before the day gets going. (laughs) I felt you the other day in church. I want to feel you right now. Speak to me. Talk to me. Lead me. That's a spiritual inheritance that will cause you to begin to receive and also give prophecies that can be used as weapons of warfare. How great is that? Last thing I want to say about this is you need to learn how to declare. Release, maybe this is a better way to say it, release declarative worship. Man, if you can get a hold of this gang, I'm telling you, this is one of the greatest things. It'll be hard for you because the first few times you do it, you'll feel foolish, but who cares? You know, be a fool for Jesus. It's okay. (laughs) The world doesn't need any more sophisticated people. The more sophisticated the church gets, the more sophisticated the Christian gets, the less power we're operating in. I know there's things that maybe we don't have to do. There's things we get to do. But there's some things that you do that you go, I don't really want to do this. Singing is one of them. But he loves it when you sing. I can't emphasize this enough. When you lift your voice, you don't have to do it in front of me. You don't have to do it in front of anybody. If they hear you, it'll bless them. And if they don't like it, they don't know good singing anyhow. So don't worry about that. Because by the time it gets to the ear of God, all of heaven's joining in. And it sounds awesome. And you'll begin to sense the blessing of God. You'll begin to sense the pleasure of God. Uh, Listen to 1 Samuel. This is an interesting story. We're we're, we're given an insight here about Saul and David. And it says in... 
Uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 23, whenever the tormenting spirit troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better. And that tormenting spirit would go away. It doesn't say that David would play the harp in front of Saul. It doesn't say that David played the harp in the same room. It just says David played the harp somewhere. I just wonder if when you start to feel things in the family not going right, there's arguments, tensions, there's something surfacing that was from the past, and you go, oh, I thought we dealt with that. I wonder if you could just slip away to the other room. You don't have to find a harp. You could just find your voice and just sing something to him. The tormenting spirit that came under the influence of that worship is still subject to worship. As you worship the Lord and praise Him, I'm telling you, demons have to flee. There's power in it. There's a declarative power in it. That's why, that's why we've been held back in this area. I firmly believe this. We've relegated worship to a few select people, and I'm so thankful for these guys up here, man. They're so good. They're so talented. But they ought to inspire us not to sit and watch, but to enter in and to learn how to do that so that when we're driving home, I'm singing, all his promises are yes and amen. Monday morning, I'm singing that song, and then I'm going through my Apple music, and I'm thinking, I like that song. I'm going to play that. I learned that. I sing it, and I'm blasting it out. I'm telling you, hell hates that, and God loves it. Isaiah 54 verse 1 says this, sing, O childless woman. You don't have a baby? Sing anyhow. You who have never given birth, break into loud and joyful song. O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labor, for the desolate woman has now more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. Then it goes on and it says in verse 2, enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, and spare no expense, for you will soon be bursting at the seems. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. In other words, before anything happens, you give thanks and praise ahead of time. See, this is how the kingdom operates. You don't do it just, you want to thank him after the fact. That doesn't hurt. But the stance of faith starts to give him praise before the thing even manifests. It's already been shown to you. God's promised it to you. That settles it, and you just begin to thank him. And so here's a barren woman praising God for the, 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 the offspring that she's about ready to have. But she's been barren. In the church now, we want to feel sorry for the barren woman, the people who don't have, that wish they had, that need to get in a better place. You understand the journey they've been on. Oh, bless their hearts. No, no, no. The kingdom of God operates totally differently. We don't, we have compassion, but we don't sympathize with people who are in agony. We say, praise the Lord, and that praise will start to raise you up out of that agony. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. So we've got to learn how to give a spiritual inheritance to pay the price that it's going to take. Another thing that's key to your family having a breakthrough is in the face of spiritual attack, learn to feed on God's faithfulness. When you don't feel like singing, God's still faithful. When the enemies come in like a flood, God's faithful. 
when things are absolutely confusing, horrible, and you don't know what to do, God's faithfulness remains. Listen to this in Psalms 23, verse 5. He says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Now, get that picture because we just had Thanksgiving, and uh, Kathy and I have a big old, we have a dining room where all of our family can sit around the table, and I I love that. Now, add to that every enemy that's assigned to me sitting there and having to watch me eat with my family. That's not just for me, that's for you. Every assignment that's ever been made on your life, and believe me, there's assignments made on you. It says here in God's word that he makes a table for you to sit down, and I'm going to tell you, not just sit and sort of like with very nervous eyes look around and go, now what are we going to do? As calm as I was sitting at the table with my family. Pass the mashed potatoes. More gravy, please. Such a good turkey. That's how awesome you can be right in the face of attack is to know God's got this for you. You don't have to worry about anything. Look at Psalms 37, 37. Trust in the Lord, but it adds this, and do good. <laughs> I got to stop here because we need more of this. This word good in the Hebrew is such an interesting word. It, it doesn't just mean be good. It, it, and it, it, of course, it says do good, but it has to do with the activity of kindness. We need more kind people. Of all the people in the world that ought to be kind, that ought to open the door for others, that ought to maybe... Hey, could I pay for that guy over here? Or, or maybe, could I help you get this into your car? Or maybe, I'll put your cart back in the thing. Those kind of little things mean a lot. Especially to your family. No, don't, don't worry about it, honey. I got the dishes. Man, your wife's going to feel like a miracle just took place. <laughs> it goes on and it says, dwell in the land. In other words, don't move. Hey, don't go anywhere. Don't run, dwell, and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord. That word delight is an interesting word. It, it has to do with like the little coos that lovers make. Like, ooh, you're so cute. And, no. <laughs> when Kathy and I were dating, we kind of still do. We had like our own little language. It was like so embarrassing if I were to tell you, but it was like, it was adorable. Words between two people who are in love. That's what that Hebrew word means. You do that with God. Man. And it says, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I've heard people say that. Well, if you make the Lord your desire, then your desires will be fulfilled. No, no. No. Delight yourself in him. That means he'll take care of everything. That's how you can delight yourself. And as a result, he knows what you like better than you do. It's so incredible to have this fulfilled because you're thinking, I don't know if I'd ever want to do that. And then when you're doing it, you're thinking, why didn't I ever do this earlier? Because you didn't delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, you'll find yourself doing things that you're just going to be going, oh, this is the best. This is exactly what I wanted. If you were to tell me, when I was younger, you're going to have four children, 
They're going to be married. You're going to have grandchildren. That would have sounded horrible to me. I would have said, no, that just, that's not the desire of my heart. And now I wouldn't trade it for all of the other things that are potentially available. Amen. <laughs> Let me close with this. The most important key to breakthrough is to never give up. Man, I felt this today. Hebrews 6 says it this way. It says, but we long to see you passionately advance until the end and find your hope fulfilled. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or or lose their enthusiasm. But follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. Have you ever thought about David's biography? Think about it. If you, you could write it on, uh, you know, on a sticky note. Lions, bears, giants, chased by Saul, king of Israel. That's it. Any point in those other areas, the lions, the bears, especially being chased by Saul, he could have given up and ran. But he didn't run. Listen to Ephesians 6, verse 13. It says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. That word stand in the, in, in the Greek, it, it doesn't mean like just remaining. It means to stand and spread your chest out like you're the champion. See, after David won the battle with Goliath, he took the the giant's head and held it up for everybody to see. And he took the giant's sword, but he stood there because he was victorious. That's the picture the Lord wants you to have. You don't have to do anything else. Just stand. You don't have to go anywhere else. Stay, stand, and know that the victory is yours. Luke 18. It says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story that they should... always pray and never give up. I know I told you that worship is something I I want you to do more of, and I pray that the Lord helps you with this. I pray he helps you, that you're not doing it out of a, you you know, don't you hate it when somebody does something like, somebody comes and apologizes, and you get the sense, I'm doing this because I have to, and I don't really want to. I'm Please forgive me. You know, it, it's, it, it just doesn't have any power to it. But this especially, prayer, prayers work sometimes. I don't want to minimize that. Sometimes prayer is, you know, you just, you're, you're going, Lord, it feels like we're, we're going nowhere here. That isn't easy. Pouring your heart out to God isn't always easy. But Jesus said, keep doing it. Persist in it. Never give up in it. Because I can tell you this, prayers will be answered. And they never expire. Want to leave something? Pray for people. Sometimes people don't want you to pray for them. It's rare, but it does happen. Pray anyhow. You know, if if they don't want you praying for them or lay hands on them, that's fine. Get in your car and say, Lord, I lift that person up to you. God bless them. Pour out your spirit on them. But especially do that with your family. I was thinking about so many people that have 
have prayed, but then they gave up. I was thinking of a couple. They were, they were kind of the bright and shining stars of our Bible college when I was there in my first year. They were in their second year, and they were just like doing everything, and they were amazing. And I remember all of us young guys were all like looking at them going, man, they're the, it's just incredible. But somewhere along the line, they stopped. Something stopped. In fact, they, they're, they're not in ministry. And I mean, they, these guys had the potential and gifting to do incredibly great things. Their marriage fell apart. And I saw her not long ago, and, and I just, I hugged her, and she was here in service. And, and I asked her how her, her husband was. She said, well, we're not married anymore. And I said, well, what's going on? She goes, I don't even think he's serving God anymore. What happened? Well, I'm going to tell you, Jesus said, pray and don't give up. My guess is somewhere along the line, prayer stopped. I don't know how you do prayer. I don't know how formal it is. I don't know how regular it is. But I just say this, do it. I don't know where you do it, but go somewhere. I don't know how loud you are. I don't think that matters. But I do know this, you need to put it on your lips. It's okay to have mental prayers. I mean, God can read your thoughts before you even think them. Man, how many know we're all in trouble? (laughs) But how great it is. To say, God, this situation I'm facing, I know you're able. And you'll start to feel faith stir in you. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Worship team, come on up if you would. Those who wait, some some translations have that, those who continue to, to be in expectation. Some have it, those who hope. It's, it's, it's hanging on with, with an expectation. On the Lord shall renew. Uh, that word renew means to get a second wind. Have you ever gotten one? It's the most amazing thing in the world. It's like you get one when you're just about ready to go down the tubes and all of a sudden now you're, you're standing on the tubes. It's just amazing. It says, they will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Sometimes waiting is difficult. Think about Joseph for a minute. He waited 13 years. His brothers betrayed him, sold him into slavery. He's there and he gets betrayed by Potiphar, Potiphar's wife and all of that mess gets thrown into jail. 13 years go by of waiting, trusting the Lord. But how many know God was faithful even after 13 years? I'm going to tell you, there's never a point where you should stop waiting on the Lord. But boy, the enemy, I've heard this said one time, this is one of the greatest quotes of the attack of the enemy. It's not a scream, it's not an atomic bomb, it's a whisper that says, give up. And man, sometimes we feel like it. When it comes to your family, that's the one that you want to give up on the most because you're around it all the time. You're like, this is just ridiculous. No, it's not. It's a potential for a breakthrough. And I want to pray for that today for you. Would you stand? Before we pray, we're going to take an offering. If ever there was a family breakthrough, it's needed. It's in Lola Laredo and her family. I talked to her this week and she's just 
you know, trying to put all of this together, very difficult. But one thing that became clear, and I said, Lola, we're going to love you. We're going to pray for you. But then later I got off the phone and I thought, you know, we got to do more. We got to raise some money for her. There's a financial need. And I thought, hey, you know, that's a, that's a family thing, isn't it? When you have family you love and you know they're in trouble, you may bellyache a little bit and go, well, I wish they wouldn't have done that or they shouldn't have bought that car or they shouldn't have done this. Listen, you can't say this about this situation for a second. Her husband passed away totally unexpectedly. And I want to I have the ushers just pass the, the, the offering bags around. Come on forward, you guys. So while you're standing just for a moment, think about what it, what, what it would be you could give. You might have some cash, a check you could write, or maybe you can do the text to give. However, maybe you're not ready for, for this and you can give later. I don't know, but we're going to ask the Lord to do something great so we can bless this family. Amen. Father, we lift up to you the Laredo household, Jessica, Jake, the children, and Lola the mom and the wife who misses her husband. So difficult, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to use these offerings, the money that we get to. You can multiply this and meet every need that's represented. And we pray, Lord, right now, in fact, I thank you right now that this will be one of the greatest things that we've done as a family in a long time. We expect that and we give you praise for this. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Go ahead and receive the offerings. Just remain standing if you would because I want, I want my altar ministry team to come if they would. What is it that the Lord's touching on? Is it offense and, and things that you're holding on to that have happened in the family? What, what is it? Something that just doesn't seem to be getting any better. Maybe, maybe, maybe even getting worse. Let's pray about it. Let's do that. Because Jesus said, pray persistently. Pray always. Don't give up. He didn't tell us that if that weren't possible. What other things? Maybe there's something prophetic that you know God has spoken over your family. <laughs> and you're saying, hey, listen, I'm going to stand on this and need somebody to agree. Let's do that now. If we could bring the lights down. Don't be afraid. These, these people just want to pray and agree with you. Just bring whatever it is that you have, whatever things you're facing with your family. Just move on out. Let them pray with you. Let them pray with you. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you would like to hear more teachings, join in Operation Solid Lives group, or would like to partner with Escondido Christian Center, visit us at thecenter.co.